the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Praise God. (laughs) Okay. Enemies of the soul, we are looking at we looked at condemnation, shame, and guilt, and the like. There's one that I want us to look at today. We'll start with a joke that's not very funny. Uh, what car did Jesus drive? A Chrysler. <laughs> okay, let's go. The, thir- the first enemy of the soul that we looked at was shame, and we combined it with guilt. I was interchanging, so you can just put B, guilt. C, anger. But I really want to go to D, so I might be a bit quick on C. Anger. Praise God. I forgot I have another mic. Anger. Now, anger is one of the most deceptive emotions. In the sense that There is an element of it which is healthy, but if not managed well, anger can be one of the most blinding things there is. Let me explain. Let me have two gentlemen. Any two gentlemen. Okay. So here are the two gentlemen, right? And then one of them stepped on the other one. And so they decide they're going to have a fight. Now, in the moment of the fight, what he is thinking is this. Punch him so hard that I cause him pain. I will feel good about myself. What? Can you imagine that? Like you're feeling like my, my causing of another person pain will make me feel good about myself. That's how blinding anger can be. Uh, please take your seats. I, I told you an example of one time we went to play football as COL. And we were having a very good match and we were playing from NASDAQ, I think. So there was basketball in the arena. And I, you know, I didn't know basketball gets very... I thought basketball was like, everyone is just chilled. I didn't know basketball gets that physical. Next thing, we just went... How many of you were there? And then one team ran out, 
chasing the other team. I don't know whether they were chasing the referee or the other team. We just saw people running all over. So we actually had to suspend the football match for a while. Guy footballers were calm people. And so we all just... <laughs> so <laughs> we all sat and then I started hearing them talking because they were not far. And one of them starts, Xe, we can't let them get away with this Xe. Xe, we can let them get away with this Xe. You know what? You know what? Let's just do something about it, man. I'm ready to do time in prison. I'm ready. Do you see the way people cry? <laughs> do you see the way people cry when they're being taken to prison? The guy there was, I'm ready to do time in prison, Xe. He says, Xe, I am about to lose it. I am about to lose it, Xe. And then here's my favorite part. I've lost it. <laughs> but here was the funny thing. When he lost it, for some reason, he didn't go fight. He goes like, Niguiden Jabe, Niguiden Jabe, And I hear people like that. And then when you hold them, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Anger is one of the most deceptive things because you think that by causing imagine you cause imagine you go do time in prison because of a basketball match. No, I want you just think about that. Imagine because of a, a basketball match. And the thing about it is that if you don't learn to control it, it may not be a stranger. You may end up hurting someone you love. Imagine someone you paid, someone you made vows to. You vowed, I will love you like Christ loves the church. This, 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 this. And then you lift your hand at them. I remember I was sharing with some of the gentlemen during the marriage counseling session. And I was saying scripturally, let me, let me show you the scripture, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5. Look at verse 25. Ephesians 5.25 actually qualifies the book of Songs of Solomon to also talk about Christ and the church. Because it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Uh -huh. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Yes. That he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That also shows you that as a husband, you can determine how your wife is. You can find a way to present her to yourself. And one of the keys is through words, because Jesus washes his bride by the word. Because women have been designed in such a way that they multiply what you give them. So keep calling her a snake. <laughs> And, and then one day you get shocked. You come, you find a dragon. Because that's what you keep feeding somebody. And they end up multiplying it. That's why the Bible tells us that a virtuous woman must be praised. So meaning you're, supposed, you're literally supposed to praise. Like, oh, the food was nice. It's a simple thing. like you made such a lovely African brew and, and, and all those things. This is a proper African breakfast. Sometimes it's the simple things. But what I'm saying is, you actually have to... Praising is very important. It's very important. Yeah. So, Husbands, when you go home today, 
As you enter, you even enter with a step. <laughs> Wives, send me videos. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> and then next verse. Next verse. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, if, um, if you found somebody walking, and as you see them walking, they keep punching themselves, punching themselves, punching themselves, what would you say about them? That's the same thing as going to punch your wife. Because you're supposed to love your wife as your own body. And everybody said? Now, anger, like I said, is a very deceptive emotion. It reduces a person to what the scriptures call animal behavior. A person with no self-control at that moment is acting just like the animals act. Because an animal... uh, they just see Molife running, they want to chase him. I don't know if you're getting my point. <laughs> and as everyone is saying, don't run, don't run. <laughs> and you know the worst. The worst is those who say, no, just come in, my dog doesn't bite. <laughs> then as Molife, you start running, it just wants to greet you. <laughs> it just wants to play with you. <laughs> My friend, run. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, it's a very, as I stated, it's very deceptive in nature because uh, it can cause you to act like an animal. And I'm saying it this strongly because. The reason I'm saying it this strongly is because I want you to be very... Sometimes I say things strongly on purpose. So that in that moment, you think. It can cause you to do that. Have you ever seen how uh, dogs act? (laughs) Tell your neighbor you're better than that. So if you can't exercise self-control, there will be a challenge. Praise God. Ephesians 4 verse 26 to 27. I will read it from the NKJV and then from the NLT. Uh, Deacon, were you sending me a message? Okay, wonderful. Ephesians 4 verse 26. It says... Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. No give place to the devil. NLT. Do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So it's, it's very easy now for Satan to take advantage in that environment of anger. Because in the environment of anger, all you can think of is, if I can just hurt that guy, if I can just hurt him, if I can just do this, if I can just do this. And before you know it, it becomes part of you. So don't do that. It also brings demons and stuff like that. So even those things of, no, I was born with a short temper, it's long from today. (laughs) We elongate it in Jesus' name. Because from the second Adam, you were birthed in a different way. Praise God. 
So be careful with anger. Another thing about anger is that it can bring curses. You look at Genesis 49 verse 7. It says, Cursed be their anger, for it's fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now that was Levi being talked about. Levi and his brother. And Jacob says, Cursed is their anger. And when you read in the book of Numbers, one of the grand, 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 grandsons of Levi, who is Moses, ended up missing his destiny because of anger. In Numbers 20 from verse 7 to 11, you read it in your own time, but God had told Moses to speak to the rock. But when you look at verse 10, the Bible says that Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. He was angry. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? And then when you read, uh, he, he really, really added a few things. Verse 11, he lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly. So he had the right results but the wrong method. And um, in verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So Moses missed his destiny. Moses' destiny was not to take them to the promised land. Sorry, it was not to take them to the wilderness. It was to take them to the promised land. But he ended up missing his destiny because of an act of anger. So be very careful. Some people here would have been in very good relationships, but there was a day you were angry and you said something. You sent a strong message and you forgot to press delete. <laughs> so be very careful with that. But then on the other hand, in the spirit of bearing one another's burdens, you also take note that maybe for some of your fellow brethren and sisters and the like who Maybe you've had challenges in this era before. They hadn't heard this message by then. So bear one another's burdens, okay? Anger can be passed on to others. People can even inherit anger which is not theirs. And sometimes the one inherited is worse. Look at Matthew 14, verse 8. Matthew 14, verse 8. Do you remember when Herod's wife danced, sorry, his daughter danced, and he said, give me, I'll, I'll give you anything, even half the kingdom. And the Bible says, so she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me the John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Can you imagine that? Where did her anger for John the Baptist come from? The mom. That's why be careful also what you hear how you feel about a person. Sometimes ask yourself why you feel that way. And then what's challenging is when they reconcile. <laughs> now this is the one I really wanted to talk about today and I'll do so in a few minutes, about 10. Uh, tell me when it's 10 minutes. Eh? Insecurity combined with inferiority. Now, let me explain a few things about this. Not feeling safe in who you are causes you to add where you shouldn't. Not feeling like you belong. 
I find it interesting that when you read Genesis 3, and I want you to see verse 1, the serpent speaks to Eve. And when you read in Revelations, we're told the dragon is that old serpent. And says, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat? Next verse. And then the woman says, he said, we may eat, but the one in the middle, we shouldn't eat or even touch it. The instruction, really, the touch part was never there. Let's continue. Then the serpent said, you will not surely die. God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The interesting thing is that God already made man in his likeness. And Satan is trying to convince Eve that you will be like God if you are to eat. Many times, insecurity and inferiority will make you fight for what you really are. And this ends up affecting people in all manners of relationship, in all manners of, with their relationship with God, their relationship with fellow human beings. And that's why you should pay attention to the questions people ask you. Some questions are a reflection of the insecurity in their heart. Other questions are a reflection of their insecurity about your relationship. Or perhaps sometimes it may also be how you've treated them and so you've not maybe created a safe space. So for example, if someone, if your sister is to ask you, I, am I really your sister? Am I really your blood sister? Before you can react, try to think about how your relationship has been. Because that's showing there's some insecurity there. But then, how has it come about? Those are things you have to ask yourself. Is there a part of it that you've influenced? Is there a part of it that has been externally influenced? Sometimes it happens even in relationships between uh, parents and their children. I was saying sometimes it happens even in relationships with parents and children, where um, someone starts wondering, and nothing wrong with anyone who's been adopted, okay? I'm just saying, you, you know where someone starts wondering, uh, this is a biological child that they start wondering, was I adopted? Somewhere. Then you may have to investigate what's going on in the relationship. Some people here have written letters before. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes it's also just a sign of um, how a person processes things. But this is an area you have to be careful about. Here you are, you're in a relationship with someone, perhaps leading to marriage or you're engaged or uh, maybe you're married or something. Um, and let's say you receive a message, am I really the girl for you? Or <laughs> am I really the man for you? You may have to question, is there something unhealthy going on in your relationship that needs to be talked about? Is there a conversation that needs to be had? Because sometimes that can show that there is a conversation that someone wants to have. And that's why even if you say yes, that's not the last time they'll ask. There's a lot I can say in this. Why are we so quiet today? And one of, the, one of the things is this. Even in dealing with Satan, 
Satan will always try to tempt you in the area that's supposed to be your strength and attempt to make it a weakness. There are some people listening to me. The grace God gave you is for evangelism. You are very convincing. There is no one you talk to who doesn't listen to you. But then you'll find somehow your temptations are always to sleep with the people you evangelize to. So before you know it, you decide to avoid evangelism so that you avoid sinning. So before you know it, the area that was supposed to be your strength becomes an area of bondage. So you find how come for you any girl you give a manifesto listens? Maybe your grace <laughs> was to manifest the gospel as a son of God. But you're misusing it. I know it's hitting home, but let me continue. <laughs> the moment Jesus was told, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, the very next moment, what happened? The devil comes and says, if you are the son of God. In short, prove what you already are. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. Someone once told me something and I didn't really think about it largely until I became a leader. They said sometimes as a leader, be careful to observe moments where you keep emphasizing your position. There might be a chance you're feeling a bit inferior, a bit insecure. And there are moments where, you, where for whatever reason you may have to. But if every week, so don't you know that I'm the chairperson? As the chairperson, don't you know I am the chairperson? You might be feeling like maybe you're not feeling chairpersonish. <laughs> and so you keep emphasizing it. Because, and remember, that's the style of the Gentiles. Rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. I want you to imagine you're a department head, right? At your workplace. And on a particular day, uh, there's an issue at work. And you give yourself to serve with regards to that particular issue. Do you know what it would do to the people that you're leading? Because you gave yourself to serve, but you are not insecure about it. When I say pastor, one of the things I was told is, uh, try your best not to like, relate in a friendly way with, with your members, otherwise you know they'll become familiar. You know, one, the teaching on familiarity really needs a lot of work because it, it robs you of your pastoring. There is no pastoring without people. There is no pastoring without getting deep involved. You can't pastor like that. As a matter of fact, Jesus reached a point where the higher they graduated with the disciples, eventually he even called them his friends. Eventually. What I'm trying to say is sometimes people have got this mindset of, like, let's say you're going to be a pastor. Then you must be coming like this. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. And like... If no one can greet you, no one can talk to you, no one can crack a joke, that's... <laughs> people can crack God. People can talk to God and pour out their hearts. Surely they should be able to if you're a pastor. So, I shouldn't hear that the day we made you a sale leader, your shoulders even went up. You can't say hi anymore. The moment someone greets you, you put sanitizer. No! Put sanitizer privately. Okay, so let's go. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> now, there is this famous term in psychology, and uh, now you do six. There is this famous term in psychology called the imposter syndrome. How many of you have heard about it? Imposter syndrome, right? You see it in the scriptures. It was addressed. Have you noticed one reason why the book of Romans was written is because the, the Gentile Christians were feeling less of believers. Yeah, they were feeling less of believers than the Jewish Christians. So Paul had to write to them, look guys, even though they were circumcised, you've been circumcised in the heart. He literally had to write to them saying, look, um, you're also spiritually a Jew. You're also this, one man in Christ and all those things because they felt less than other believers. And sometimes you see that even in the body of Christ now. Like, um, I'll give you an example. Next week, I'll be in Kasama, right? And actually, this week, this week I'm in Kasama. Uh, flying to Mansa first, then trip, car ride to Kasama. And guys, 13 hours is just too long to be on the road. <laughs> 13 hours. You know, you know what I can do with 13 hours? <laughs> And if I'm not mistaken, they've actually decided to organize like a few one-on-ones in months as well. So anyways, um, I'll be in Kasama, right? And you know miracles will happen and I'll share testimonies, right? Now, if you came for a conference and then let's say um, Pastor Mbasela over there. Let's say for him this week, he will be preaching in Dallas, Texas. And so I'm, sh you, I'm sharing a testimony. Guys, so in Kasama, this and this happened. Then after we went this side, then we prayed for this one, and then this happened. And then he's also sharing, no, in Dallas, this and this and this happened. Are you going to honor the Dallas testimony more? And the Kasama testimony? And they're both people. If someone gets healed in the UK and another person gets healed in Zimbabwe, in the two human beings, Having both human beings being healed. You know, sometimes we, we, we've got this inferiority such that we try to exaggerate things that shouldn't be exaggerated. Like, there's, there are some pastors who may never preach in the UK. They may never preach in Sweden. They may never preach in Switzerland. They make the anointing on their life any less than the ones who travel out. Doesn't, doesn't do so. Because at the end of the day, it's just people. If you don't, that's why you find there are some people who've gone abroad and they've done well. And then there are others who've gone abroad because they just wanted to look a certain way. And they are struggling. They admire those in Zambia. They are struggling. A, a number of them. Reason being, they left a very posh car and a very good job to go and work three jobs, which they don't like but just the name that they're in the States. Be careful. With the imposter syndrome, let me just read these notes quickly because I have to end. Maybe I'll finish next week. So let me just read these notes quickly. <laughs> the imposter syndrome is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, their talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. For example, do you mistrust the compliments people give you? 
People say you look good today. Mm. I come back with that. We look good. Obviously, they are setting me. If the first thing in your mind is they are making fun of me, then mm, do you actually believe you look good? Another example. Do you feel unworthy of success? Do you feel unworthy of success? Do you feel... Um, like, look, apart from the overwhelming, never-ending, <laughs> reckless love of God, which you, you, you didn't deserve and didn't earn, um, that degree that you've gotten, right? Do you feel like, I don't deserve this degree. Oh, degree, I don't deserve you. There's a challenge. If you come out, and that's one reason I tell people not to use malpractice. Do you know what malpractice does? I know of a gentleman who was extremely intelligent, but the guy panicked with grade 12 and used malpractice and got the highest grades available. Within six months at Onza, he, has, he had been dropped. What happened? He no longer had confidence in how intelligent he was. It would have been better for him to get 13 points, and he's aware of where he's at, areas where he's got strength, areas where he's got weaknesses, and improve than to cheat and not know what you're, who you are and what you're doing. I don't know if you're hearing me. So what I'm trying to say is, um, if you don't feel you deserve that degree, you might have a challenge applying for your master's. It will feel too big for you. Be confident in yourself. Anyways, let's continue. Do you feel you're not worthy of any success? Someone good comes in your life, Every day I text them, so you're going to leave me today, right? <laughs> so you leave me today, right? <laughs> okay. Do you feel that you got where you are merely by luck? Not by the will of God. Do you underestimate your competence and your skills? Or do you have the I can do it or I can learn mentality? Do you criticize yourself even after <laughs> you've been given praise? And you know something? Um, sometimes you also have to learn. I used to be extremely hard on myself. I'm still hard on myself, but I've learned to enjoy it. Like, I would be in a meeting of mine and everything, and all I'll notice are mistakes. No, that should have started 20 seconds ago. No, that should have started five seconds ago. Why did they start walking with their right foot? Why didn't they start with their left? You know, to have looked more orderly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I, and you know what used to happen? Everyone will come out of their meet, the meeting. Pastor, that was fire. That was amazing. I'll come out saying in my sermon, I should have said that like that. I should have said that like this. Then there was that point, maybe I could have cracked the joke like this. And so everyone would enjoy my meetings except me. Wow. <laughs> then I was told, sometimes also just learn to chill and enjoy. So you know what I say, do you have my meetings now? I dance. <laughs> have you noticed almost every conference I have that moment where I take a walk, greet a few people and they're like, you know what I'm doing? Just enjoying the moment. Like I can't work hard all these months just to have a conference and hide from everybody the whole time. I've already been in the closet. I already know what God wants to say. So <laughs> I need to be winding up. I need to be winding up. So I was saying, do you have to over impress so that people don't figure you out i'm using myself as an example uh, i experienced this when we first started the church i didn't feel like i was speaking to my spiritual children i felt like i was speaking to an audience so i felt like everyone was weighing me like they're all gauging me like hey let's see if you're <laughs> let's see 
And then I felt like everyone was expecting what they had seen at WEM. Now at WEM, you've prepared for three months for one sermon. And you've done your hair. So now, <laughs> I felt like everyone was expecting every sermon to be uh, the 16 color bashes of gold that hold your shirt. And, and that's why if you're a minister and you're listening to me, listen, you don't have to have like to name every Sunday, special Sunday, not my head, not my blood, and the like. You struggle because your people always think it has to be a special Sunday for God to move. The best is when on the normal Sundays, a lot can happen. So I would have challenges with... Honestly, I would struggle. Like I would think, is this sermon good enough? Is this good enough? Is this good enough? Because sometimes God would tell you, um, yeah, go and teach on paying attention. Or go and teach on timekeeping. Imagine, you've studied the scriptures years ago, teach my people how to keep time. And so I struggled in the early days. Until one day I just decided, ah, let me just be myself. And that's how come I say doing a few unorthodox things, like participating in the plays. You know, this year's hmm, the Christmas one. Ha! Something we're planning. Something we're planning. I've been meditating on it. I started playing instruments when I felt like. And then here's the interesting thing. I was in Gafiro last week. And um, the person who plays the keyboard comes to see me and he says, you just don't know, but I just felt so encouraged the day I saw you play the guitar. I'm like, can't you just playing the guitar can encourage people? And I realized something. If people stay in the church when I'm being myself, it won't be difficult to keep them. Now, if I'm pretending, <laughs> the day they meet the Apostle Frederick who can enter a play <laughs> or come up, I'm planning one of these days. Anyways, the day they... <laughs> the day they meet that, they'll have a challenge. So, like, let's say your friendships or anything. Do you have to lie to impress people? Do you have to lie to maintain something? Any relationship or friendship or anything where you have to lie to maintain it, it's a challenge because it means you're not comfortable being yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, when promises of God are read out, do you feel like they're not for you? No, that's for Kanso Chongo, not for me. <laughs> No, that's for... <laughs> Who is the sister in this church? Uh, <laughs> Who is a typical sister in CRL? Sister Margaret? Yeah, no, that's for Sister Margaret Shower. <laughs> Not for me. No, for me, I, I, I over-sinned, so I'm just okay with just being... I, I'm just okay with just being a backbencher and... I'll never come to the front. Ladies and gentlemen, it becomes due to time, I'll end here. I'll finish it in two weeks. There's a lot I have to say. So I, rather than rushing it, I was going to rush it, then I realized I'm the pastor. And I was going to, it's, it's what I'll start with next week. Where it becomes unhealthy is where 
rather than appreciating the uniqueness of others, you begin to use the uniqueness of others to bash yourself. I once went to preach somewhere, and when I was entering, they hyped me up. They told me, you, the reason we've called you is for power. One power, and I was like 16 by then. So I always felt like I had to, I, I was 16, I always felt like I had to try harder than every other pastor because I was 16 with a grade 12 certificate and no reputation. And so all the pastors they put before me were like really senior. And then when the first one started, he wasn't preaching proper stuff. I'll be honest, we know. He wasn't preaching proper stuff. He was just playing around with all Jewish. Okay, he was playing around. Now, here's the part that I realized I had a problem. I felt good because I felt like that would make my sermon at least stand out. Second pastor was worse. I felt better. Then the third pastor, him way. As in that man of God. As in the man tackled everything in my notes. <laughs> he taught everything that can be taught. And then entered prophecy. Accurate prophecies. Even things I didn't know about myself. And then when he laid hands, the somersaults that were taking, I said, God, why did you bring me here? <laughs> No, I felt very discouraged by him being good. That's not healthy. And you know what ended up happening? I went to the front to minister, and here's the funny thing. It was actually much easier to minister because the person who ministered before me had done their job well. From that time, I trained myself to love every minister. As a matter of fact, I don't mind any other minister being more powerful. But at the same time, I was very comfortable being myself. So I can be with another minister. They preach before me and they can be, everyone, so, 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 so. then I can come and say, everyone, just be quiet. And I only get one, woo, and I really don't mind. Because, <laughs> and so similarly, if I asked you this question, and it's the final question I'm asking, like I'll use beauty and handsomeness as an example. As a guy, Think of the most handsome guy you can think of. Don't say it. Don't say it. And then as a lady, think of your idea of the most beautiful woman you can think of. Like keep it to yourself. Don't say it. And just be honest with yourself. Be honest. And in the sincerity of your heart, you answer yourself whether the person you are thinking of was actually you. Or maybe... You would be much better if you had that one's height and that one's hair and that one's complexion and that one's speech and that one's eloquence and that one's background and that one's money and that one's daringness. Before you know it, you're, you're literally trying to create another human being that has never existed. If the ideal person in your head is a hybrid of that one, 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 that one including that person who's just been born today. <laughs> as funny as it may sound, then maybe you've not learned to appreciate you the way Jesus does. Okay? And let's start from there next week. I'll leave you with that thought. I want you the whole week to be thinking, who's the idea of a proper believer? As much as there are people to imitate, 
how do you how do you see yourself how do you see jesus seeing you okay is there any person in this place who is not born again and you'd like to be saved today um, that looked like you were putting your hand up. Uh, that's, a, that's a diggerness. Okay. Now, it doesn't matter even if uh, there was another guy recently who said, Apostle, you led a gangster to Christ. So even if you're a gangster, it doesn't matter, you're welcome. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how it's been. If you'd like to confess Jesus as your Lord, maybe you may have even started out in the church, but you lost your way. And today is that day where you come back home. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. Don't, don't wait for another person to do it. Raise your hand. I'll give you a few seconds. Let me I check and I look at your faces. I can tell who looks <laughs> who looks like they are thinking about it. Anyone in this section who wants to give their life to Christ? Are you all born again? That section, okay, wonderful. You can stand stand anyone this side okay I want you to say after what's your name Susan I'm happy to meet you say after me say Lord Jesus I believe you are the son of God and I confess you today as my Lord amen congratulations Susan this feel free now in the name of Jesus I bless you all I speak in Jesus' name that your path is made straight and that your ways are made straight. Crooked paths are being made straight in Jesus' name. I declare you have a blessed week. I declare you are on fire for the Lord. I declare that even as we begin our fast, you experience grace from God. Grace to hear Him. Grace to obey Him grace to follow him and may the results be extremely evident in jesus name amen oh wow what a service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you you can reach the city of the lord church on zero triple seven nine three zero eight eight two if you are unable to call you can email us on the city of the lord zambia at gmail.com or reach us on facebook at the city of the lord church